We are continuing with the theme on uh, being prepared. And uh, Rulof has really challenged us over the last couple of weeks, two weeks, on um, being prepared for eternity. Remember this illustration last week, the decision you're going to make in this life around Jesus Christ. Our lives are this big, this long in terms of eternity, and this line will never end. But this, the decisions we make here is going to impact all of this for the rest of eternity. And once this transition happens, it can't change. That's what the Bible says. And so the decision you make about Jesus Christ is either going to end up that you're going to spend eternity with him, or you're going to go to hell. So that's why we've been encouraging, we've also been encouraging us that this year be prepared, keep watch, make sure that your light is burning, make sure that you've got oil, don't shrink back because we don't know when Jesus will return. But don't live like, live prepared all your life. And so last week we spoke a little bit of heaven and hell, and this week I want to just touch and continue with this theme about being prepared. I've entitled this sermon, When Jesus Calls Your Name, and hopefully at the end it will make sense why I chose that. But I want to speak this morning about a topic that I must admit I haven't heard much about in the church, um, and so it was quite a challenge to, to, to prepare for it. This thing about eternal rewards, the judgment seat of Christ and eternal rewards. And um, I want to put two things in place before I start. Please note, I am not preaching that you can work your way to salvation. <laughs> That's a free gift. That's the decision you make about whether you serve Jesus Christ or not. I'm preaching about when you've made your decision to, to serve Jesus Christ, that we work in the kingdom of God. And because of that work, there's going to be rewards. And so I'm not for any moment preaching that you can work your way to heaven. That's Jesus' work. He did it on the cross. We are saved by grace. It's a free gift. But once you're a believer, you can work for rewards. The second thing is this. I know there's, as preparing this week, I said to people, what would you like to know about eternal rewards? They all say to me, what's the reward? <laughs> now, we know that one, the, the biggest reward is that we'll spend eternity with Christ. But the Bible indicates that there's other rewards on top of that. Now, it's not very clear <laughs> on what they are. <laughs> and so I prayed about it. I said, Lord, how does this work? And I think it's because of this. Because you're going to get the reward that's meaningful for you. And if we had to list it in the Bible, some of us might look at it and go, oh, that's not so cool. I don't really want that. But I think God's quite silent on it because he knows you. And he knows what's going to motivate you for eternity. And so um, I'm not answering what the rewards are this morning either. Please can you turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 5 to 15. That's where we're going to read from this morning. But while you go there, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a guy named Francesco. Anybody here this morning, Francesco? Anybody? I tried to choose a name that's not common. Is there one? No, man, you Daniel, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Francesco. Okay. Let me tell you about Francesco. Francesco gave his life to Jesus Christ when he was 16 years old. Served him all his life. Francesco got married, had a good wife, two kids, and um, went to church and had a relationship with the Lord. But Francesco never understood this principle about eternal rewards. And so he spent his whole life building an earthly kingdom, building a business which will look after him and his family, and it was good and it was right. But he never, ever 
realized that there was the opportunity to build the kingdom of God in this life. And so his whole life was focused on just building his kingdom, making sure that they're safe, four holidays a year, kids have everything they need, all that kind of stuff. Every now and again, God would plant a little bit of a desire in his heart to use those skills for the kingdom of God. But he was too busy building this kingdom. That, that was about him and his family and about his life and what he needed. That he would put those things aside and say, maybe one day we'll get there, which he never did. And what, he, he comes to heaven and, and he gets to the, great, to, to, to the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus, he's going to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says, Francesca, I want to just tell you, before you go through this and, and, and enjoy eternity, I, I want to evaluate your work on earth. I want to see what you built. And I'm going to test this, this morning, test this with you. And as he tested it, everything Francesca built just burnt away. Because all Francesca built was an earthly kingdom for himself. And Jesus looked at him and said, man, I had so much for you. If you just knew how, how, all the things I'd called you to do, all the things I'd prepared for you, if you just would have walked in them, I would have given you all this. I had prepared all this for you. Enter into the kingdom of God. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us how that story goes. So if you look at the portion of scripture there, and you're going to have to read it in your own Bible because I've only got one of the verses on, on the screen. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and there's factions and they're fighting about to who, some like Paul, some like Apollos. And so Paul writes in verse five, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are all God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Important. Each of us gave the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who brought the growth. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both, both he and Apollos, will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building because of the God's grace to me. I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than that which has already been laid. And that is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation. Again, anyone who builds on that foundation. You may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has value. And if the, if the work survives, that builder will receive an, a reward. But if the work is built, burnt up, and the builder, will, the builder will suffer great loss, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames. How often do you think of the reality that you are going to stand before Jesus Christ? I think it's going to be amazing. I'm not putting fear in your heart. I think it's going to be amazing. But how often do you think that Jesus is going to ask us this question? What did you do with your life? What did you do with all the gifts I've given you? What have you done with all the blessings I've poured into your life? What have you done with all the desires to build my kingdom? What have you done with them? Let's test this thing and see what you've built with your life. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how many decisions do I make in this life, intentionally to build the kingdom of God with an eternal reward in mind. 
My answer to most of those was, not often, <laughs> not often, very seldom, sometimes never. So today I want to consider this as we look at the Word of God. That Paul tells us here that there's this thing called the judgment seat, judgment, and um, we're going to face it. We're going to stand before Jesus. The truth is this, listen to, here's, here's something that, that is foundational that you need to understand. What you do with the cross will determine where? Heaven or hell, but what, the way you live your life will determine how, the rewards that you get in heaven. Here's another way of, of looking at it. We are redeemed by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, but we are rewarded for our works as believers. And that's what the Bible teaches, that Jesus does the work to get us in, but we do the work for the experience that we have while we're there. And so I know that, um, I know when I was preparing it, I struggled a little bit with this. I'll tell you why. Because my mindset was that heaven is, is, is a common estate. Everybody gets all the same. Because the Bible says we're going to be happy. We're going to be full of joy and full of peace. And that's true. But it also teaches that we are going to get different rewards. And you know what? We're going to be happy with that. I don't know how it's going to work. I was... Um, Thinking about these reward programs, and uh, I've got some pictures here. Smart shopper cards. You know, every time, do you have a smart shopper card? Yep, I do. You can't. And which one? Yeah, yeah, no. Look, I'm I'm ahead of the game, yeah. And then um, I want to know: Does anybody work for Woolworths? Anybody? Yeah. I don't understand the Woolworths rewards program. You get nothing. So um, I'd really like if anybody knows anybody that works for Woolworths, it will be interesting to understand how that program works. All right, but anyway, we understand how loyalty programs work. Okay, a loyalty program works like this. If you behave in a certain way, you get rewarded for it. And that reward is yours to spend the way you want to spend it most of the time. Okay, I think the Bible teaches a very similar principle. I think the Bible teaches us that God wants us to behave and build his kingdom while we're on this earth. And when we get that right, there's a whole bunch of rewards waiting just for you. And you can spend it in all of eternity. There's a rewards program in heaven. I don't think that God is, is, is sitting there and going, I'm going to withhold stuff now from, from Gareth because, you know, I'm a punitive God. And I just, no, I think God's sitting there saying, Gareth, I've got so much for you. I'm going to even put it in your heart. I'm going to make it so clear that I want you to do all these things. Please, would you do them so that when you get here, I can just pour it out over you. You see, I was listening, I was listening to a story about a lady, uh, a guy who planted a ch churches in, in South America. And they interviewed him. He had 300,000 people in his church network. 300,000. The guy says to him, how long did it take you to build this network? He says, 16 years. 16 years. 300,000, pastor. We're almost there. And they asked him, they said, what is this, is it life, what are you doing? He says, you know what the problem is with the Western church? We're so scared to teach on rewards. We don't teach that, that you know what, the way that you serve God and his kingdom in this life is going to result in eternal reward. I teach my people that. I teach them to get serious about the kingdom of God. I teach them that they build for eternity. And they get so passionate about it because their eyes aren't on what they're going to have in this earth. Their eyes is what they're going to have when they see Jesus one day. And so they're serious about building the kingdom of God. I thought, man, that's challenging. <laughs> because I think it's, you know, um, our, our initial mindset, oh, it's wrong. You know, it's wrong, you know. Our, 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 our reward is Jesus. 
And it's not the works. Let me tell you, if you're in love with Jesus, you'll do the work. And so I think Jesus is just putting some fire in there and saying, come on, guys. And if you just knew how much I had for you, man, just get serious about the work I'm calling you to. And, and, and I'm telling you, you only need to do it for 80 years. And then you can spend a million, billion years enjoying all the fruit of your labor in this short little time. I think that's what God's heart is. And so in, in uh, 2 John, uh, John writes this, he says this, watch yourselves, be careful, be diligent, so that you may not lose what you've worked for, but you may win a full reward. Okay, well, it's an interesting verse, because uh, my initial thought was that that verse is about eternal life. But then it dawned on me, and as, as, as I researched it, it says, so that you may not lose what you've worked for. You and I cannot work for eternal life. That's a free gift. We can only work for rewards. And so what John is actually saying here, he's saying be diligent, work hard, don't be foolish, and get the full reward that God has for you. That implies this, that there's a full reward that God has for you. There's partial rewards because you get some of it right only. Or there's no reward because your whole life is simply about you building your kingdom. Exactly what 1 Corinthians says. You say, well, but where else is the Bible? 1 Corinthians tells us that. That some where works is going to be tested by fire and it's going to be valuable and they're going to be rewarded for that. But others, their works are going to be tested. It's going to be burnt up and guess what they enter the kingdom of heaven with? Nothing. And so there's there, full reward. And on the opposite end, no reward. And everything in between. I don't know how this is going to work. I'll be honest with you. You know, I think the hardest part about preaching a sermon is, is not to discourage people. You can think that when I reach you, I'm going to regret. And I don't know. All I know is that when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I'm not going to have the sinful nature. So I'm not going to feel competitiveness and jealousy and envy because Sandra has got a much bigger reward than me. The only way I can kind of understand it is I look at Lee. She took over um, Jen Ministries from me about six months ago. And she's doing phenomenally well, much better than I ever did, which is sad. But anyway, it's true. (laughs) But um, I look at that. You know, I'm not envious. I'm not in competition. I am rejoicing with her. She deserves all the credit. And I think it's going to be like that one day. Rudolph's going to get there, and I'm going to see Rudolph, and he's going to say, I've got all these rewards, and I'm going to say, but I've only got these few, but I'm so happy for you, because we're going to spend eternity together, and please share some of your rewards with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be lucky, eh? I was thinking, you know what I'd love in heaven? A fringe. (laughs) And... When I play golf, I want to drive 500 meters and Rick Barrow only 25. Uh, then it will be that guy. But um, anyway, where was I? Yeah, I'm losing focus here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not punitive. And so I don't want you to walk out here going, oh, I'm going to lose out. I want you to walk out here knowing there's so much for you. If you just get this principle that God is calling you to build his kingdom and not your kingdom. Because there's only 80 years we've got. And we're going to reap those benefits for eternity if we get it right. So I want to encourage you. Let's look at this portion of scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says this. But on the judgment day, when's this judgment day? Okay, it's definitely not when Jesus is judging the unbelievers and the believers. Because in verse 15, 
He says this, but if the work is burned up, the, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. So it's obviously a judgment of believers, which means this, that if you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, there's going to come a time where he's going to bring you before him and he's going to evaluate your work. You can't phone in sick. You know when you phone in sick because you've got a performance appraisal? It can't happen when you go to Jesus. No, Jesus, I'm just so tired today. I can't do it. No, no, we're going to stand there and we're going to give an account for our lives. That's what the judgment is. Listen to, to these scriptures. I hope I've got them here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, don't, be mis don't misread good and evil. It doesn't mean sin and uh, righteousness. It means, um, what does it mean? Value. So, so that good actually means value. Exactly the same as what he says in 1 Corinthians uh, 3. So it, it, in the body, whether we built with things of value or things with, with no value, worthless. Okay, listen to this portion of scripture. Why do you pass judgment on your, your brother? Or, or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. And so then each of us will give an account for himself to God. Simple point. Nobody's excluded. It's like Oprah. We all win. Right? Nobody's excluded. I want to say that to you this morning. And I'm hoping that, that it sinks in. You're going to stand before Jesus. And you're going to give an account for all the things he's put in your life where he's called you to build his kingdom. You're going to give an account for that. What will happen? Verse 13 over there tells us that fire will reveal the value. Okay, so obviously there's going to be a process where Jesus evaluates our work. I want to just say to you this morning, it's not like an exam. It's not a pass or a fail. It's not like, oh man, you failed, try again. No, it's more like MasterChef. Okay. You know MasterChef, they give you all the ingredients, everything to make the best cake you can, and then they evaluate it to see how close you got to the real thing. And I think that's what that evaluation is going to be. Because that word judgment isn't this, it means evaluation. And so I think God's going to say, look at all the stuff I've given you. Look at everything. Let's see what you've done with it. Because I want to pour gifts and, and rewards and treasure into your, into your life for eternity. What have you done with all this stuff? And so it's not a punitive thing. And then it tells us what is going to be evaluated. Your works. Your works. Not the church's works. <laughs> Not your spouse's works, not your parents' works, your works. Yes, a interesting thought. You'll stand there alone. You're going to stand there alone, and God's going to come, and, and Jesus is going to evaluate your works in building the kingdom of God. So the point is this. There's going to come a day where God is going to say to you, let me see what you've done with everything I've given you to build my kingdom. And whatever we've done in this short little period of time, is going to impact our rewards for eternity. Okay? Doesn't make you think that, man, I can do this because I want to spend eternity with all every reward that God has got for me. So, here's the point of the sermon this morning.
what are these works? Yeah, what, what are they? How, how do you determine what, what would be the kind of works that will bring value? So when Jesus evaluates my life, it's actually going to stand. I think Paul um, refers to two things in 1 Corinthians 3. The first thing is this. He says in verse 5, For each of us, and he's referring to him and Apollos, we did the work that the Lord gave us, which means it was very specific. It means it was his calling. It means it's that thing that God's called him and Apollos to do. And then in verse, verse um, 8, he says, And both him and Apollos will be rewarded for their work. So he indicates that part of this evaluation is what you've done with the call of God over your life. The second thing is this. In verse 11, he says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so we are builders, and we are building on this foundation. We are building on the truths, on the doctrines, on the teachings, on the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're building our lives on these things. And I, I was working through this to say, but Lord, what, what is it? What, what do we build? I know that you're telling me to build something. I know you're telling me to do something, but what is it? And I, was, I, I went back to Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus teaches about eternity. And he writes in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, uh, verse 6, 19, 21. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where the moth and, and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in Heaven, which means there's stuff I'm going to do on this earth that's going to be deposits into the heavenly bank account, which one day I can withdraw on. For where your treasure is, where your heart is. Okay, so it gives me a clue. I think, okay, cool. Uh, God's wanting me to do certain things in this life, which is actually intentional about eternity. Okay, I, I get that. But what is it? And so Jesus teaches further in Matthew chapter 6. And you know this portion of scripture very well. It's where Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, nor your body. And basically what Jesus is teaching here is that we shouldn't uh, worry about our lives. Because verse 33 tells us what we should worry about. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And all his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And all of a sudden it starts to make sense. What are we supposed to be building? The kingdom of God. What Jesus is teaching is that our priority in this life, in this 80 or whatever years that God's going to give you, is his kingdom, not our kingdoms. In fact, he's teaching the opposite. He's saying, why don't you put my kingdom first and rather trust me for your kingdom? And so I think that the Bible, and I think that Jesus' teaching here is very clear, that every part of your life, you need the kingdom of God in every single part of your life. You need to be building the kingdom of God with every part of your life. What does that mean? Well, to build the kingdom of God, I think, means three simple things. It means that you're trying to build the presence of God, the rule of God, and the reign of God into your circumstances. Okay, so what is, how does that work? Ask yourself this question. If you married this, this morning, and, and, I, and you say to yourself, you know what, I want to build the kingdom of God into my marriage. I want to build the presence of God into my marriage. I want to build the rule of God into my marriage. So what he wants for my marriage is over what I want for my marriage. I want him to reign. So when he leads me, I'm going to follow him because he is first over my marriage. I want to tell you that you're going to think about your marriage very differently than when you sit and say, I want out of my marriage what I want out of my marriage. What's important to me. 
And you can take that concept into your career and say, imagine you go in on Monday morning and you say, I want to build the kingdom of God in my workplace today. I want the presence of God to be in everything I do. I want the rule and reign of God to be over everything I do. Every decision I make today, I want to bring glory to God because I want to build his kingdom in this place today. Very different to going into the workplace and saying, I'm going to make lots of money because I want to retire at 55 and I want to see these people again. It's very different. And I think that's what Jesus is, is challenging within us. Is that if our mindsets are only on the things of the earth, all the work we do it will be burnt up and have no eternal value. But if our mindset was on building God's kingdom, which is eternal value stuff. We're going to have all those rewards for eternity. I want to tell you that you can build a fantastic kingdom and have good rewards in this life, but it's only for 80 years. I think Jesus is saying, there's another way you can live this life. And that's by putting me first, building my kingdom in every aspect of your life and trusting me that I'm going to reward you for that for eternity. Very different. So point number one, first application point is this. Use your life to build the kingdom of God. Use your life to build the kingdom of God. Now the second point is this. Now, let me just go all through my slides here. Live God's call for your life. Live God's call for your life. As I said to you earlier, Paul was saying there that God had given him and Apollos a specific calling. It was to teach. And that God was going to... Um, evaluate and reward them according to how well they've done that specific call that God called them to do. In verse 12, Paul switches and he says this, he says that anybody who builds on this foundation, which means anybody, which means that the call to build on the foundations is not only for Paul and Apollos, but anybody, which means is that there is a call over your life. You say, Nick, are you, I'm pulling this thing, you're like, can I know? I want to take you to Ephesians 2. Because Ephesians 2 tells you exactly what, what, this, what all these calls are about. Where am I? It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not by your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no man may boast. Okay, there we go, salvation. Free gift of God. Now, when you've got salvation, when you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, he then moves on to verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Good works. Now, when were these works prepared for you? Which God prepared beforehand, which means well, before you were in your mother's womb, God knew the works he has for you. The path he's calling you to, the race he wants you to run. Mr. Hay, the race he wants you to run. Before you were born, he said, Otto, you're going to do this for my kingdom. Man, and I want you to walk in them. And the end of that verse is that we should walk in them. You know, what's so challenging about that last part is it doesn't say you will walk in them. It says we should walk in them, which means there's choice. That means you've got a choice in this life to either follow the purposes and the plans and the path and the race that God is for you or to build your kingdom. It's your choice. I'm telling you, I know what God's answer is to us this morning. Run my race because I've got a lot for you which you can spend eternity with. Just run this race I'm calling you to. And so I believe that God has a call over every one of our lives as we sit here this morning. I really believe that with all my heart. The most amazing thing about God's purposes for our lives is these two verses. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You know what that means? 
that God actually stirring you to walk in the paths of these good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. He's actually stirring it in your life. You don't even have to go and wonder about it. You just need to be open to God and listen to what he's putting in your heart. And you're going to find it. Not only that, he also gives you the ability to work for his good pleasure. So it means he gives you everything you need to fulfill the call that he gives you. 1 Peter 4.10 says that we've all received gifts. And we should serve one another with them and be good stewards of them. The point is this. That God is calling you to a specific thing. Which he's just planned for you. And you know what's amazing about it? He'll give you everything you need to be able to do that. Isn't that amazing? It's like MasterChef. I give you all the ingredients. God's giving you every ingredient you need. Because before you were born, he put a pathway. And he said, man, I can't wait. Fool, who can I pick on now? No, let me not pick on anybody. No, let me not pick on anybody. I've got a pathway which I want you to walk. And you should walk it, but it's up to you. But I've got so much for you. Isn't that amazing, eh? So amazing. I think the problem is this. That we sometimes feel that we have to be in ministry to be in a, in a calling. I don't believe that at all. Ephesians 2 tells us that God has called a few, some, to equip the church. Which means that the majority of us are going to live out our calls in our everyday life, in our workplaces, in our families, amongst our friends, in the schools, and the varsities where God has put you. And I want to challenge that this morning and say to you, don't, don't be deceived by this thing that I've only got a calling when I've got a title and I'm being paid by a church. No way, it's not at all. There's only a few people that, that have that privilege. It is a privilege. But most of us, our call is where we are every single day of our lives. There was a lady, I, I loved her testimony. She said she was a pastor for 35 years, built a church for th- of 3,500 people, never really felt fulfilled, but knew that she wanted to do something And she was challenged one day about this principle. And she went and she sought the Lord. And she realized as a child, she had one passion. That was to impact Filipino children's lives. She gave up the church, left and went to the Philippines and started to do what God had initially put in her life, in her heart. And she writes about two, three years after how fulfilled she was. For the first time in 40 years of ministry, was she fulfilled. Let me tell you, some people are running after being in ministry where they should be in the workplace because that's where God's going to fulfill you. And other, other people are in ministry, but they should be in the workplace. Other people in the workplace, and they should be in the ministry. Some, people, some of you might think that, that your calling can't be as simple as I must raise two kids or three kids. Let me tell you, if that's what God's putting on your heart, and that's what God's calling you to do, do it with all your might and do it with all your heart because that's God's purpose for you. And so you need to find this thing. I remember three years ago, I sat and I, you know, I've always wanted to be a, a pastor in ministry. And I felt God, you know, I was wrestling with God a bit because as time has gone by, it's been a progressive thing. Um, God has been laying on my heart very much, uh, build churches, build churches, build churches. And I, I, th- I thought, uh, I must do this, but how can I build churches? I need to be a senior pastor. I need to be leading a church to build churches. And so I was praying and I was saying, God, how does this work? And I felt God speak very specifically to me. And uh, I felt God say to me, Nick, I've given real off a vision. A very big vision, actually. And I'm calling you to submit to that and to build that with him. You know how much freedom that brought me? Because I now know this is what God's called me to do. 
I don't have to run after being this or being that or doing that. I have a simple job. That is to build a vision with a man. And then God, you know, and then, then God will talk to me. I think once we've done it all, Pastor, then God will probably show us where the next route is. I want to ask you a question. Why don't you spend 2019 asking God, Lord, what is your specific call in my life? I want to give you a secret, though. You probably know. Because Philippians tells us that he births it in us. He gives us a desire to follow the path that he's prepared for us. I remember a guy, I'm not going to tell you it is, Shane Hay, um, <laughs> speaking to me at, at, in, in Mozambique, where were we, Zambia, about what you felt God has called you to do with your life. And it happens so often when I speak to people, particularly when we're on missions where we've got the time, that most people I speak to can actually tell me and say, I really, this thing, God, I don't know what it is, but I really want to do this thing. But I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I think the reason we don't follow those, those promptings and those callings that God is putting on our life is because we're so worried about what we're going to lose on this earth. We're so worried about the cost, what it's going to cost us, yeah. That we're so scared to just follow what he's calling us to do for eternity. And we don't understand that every time I make a decision, rather about eternity, that I'm actually storing up a eternal reward where moth and all these things, nothing can touch it. It'll be there waiting with interest, <laughs> we hope. With interest. You see, Jesus tells us this. He says this. Let me get and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers and mothers and children and land, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. I think often we think that that means that if every, every decision I make on this earth where I sacrifice something for the kingdom of God, I'm going to get a hundredfold now. I don't think that's what it means. I think that there's a deposit in heaven. That it's a hundredfold of your sacrifice yeah, that, you can, that you're going to enjoy for eternity. Because you understand that the sacrifice you make on this earth is going to touch eternity and this is only a short little piece that's much longer i want to conclude this morning by telling you what jesus says he says at the end of the bible revelation chapter 22 the very last chapter of the bible jesus says behold i'm coming soon bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done bringing my wages with me that's another word you can use there bringing my reward with me we're going to stand before him and give an account. And I think what God is telling us to do is to get excited about his kingdom. And not so excited always about what I'm building on this earth and this kingdom I'm building and the security I'm building because it's going to end and it's going to be burnt up and it's going to be, have no value for eternity. But if, you just, if we can just grab this truth that everything we do in this life actually can have an eternal impact which you're going to enjoy for eternity, I think we'll live our lives differently. And so, what you do, yeah, is very important. What we do, yeah, we need to make our lives count. What we do matters. It matters for eternity. So John, no, not John, Francesco, hey? Francesco gives his life to the Lord when he's 16 years old. Meets a woman, godly lady, and they both get married. They have two kids. Francesco builds a magnificent company. 
provides wealth for his family. But he understands this principle of eternal reward, so he decides that he's gonna use all the gifts and all the blessings and all the resources that God has given him to build the kingdom of God around him. And so he touches two people's lives in the workplace and together they, 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 uh, they, they plant over 100 churches in Africa. He spends time in the church teaching people how to manage their finances for the glory of God. And he dies and he goes to heaven. And Jesus looks at him says, Francesca, I want to weigh your work. I've got so much I want to give you, man. Let me see what I can give you. And he weighs it, and there's so much value because he's invested eternally because he built the kingdom of God and followed the call of God for him. And Jesus says to him, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter your rest. Enjoy everything that you've stored up for eternity. I don't know this morning which of those two stories is your life, but what I do know is God is, I think, urging his church to have an eternal view. Because if think about it, imagine we lived with eternity in heart, by storing up treasures in heaven. Imagine what our communities will look like. Imagine how the church would look like. Imagine what forgiveness would look like in your life. We'll reconcile quickly. We'll manage our resources for the kingdom of God. We'll manage our careers and our marriages and all for the kingdom of God. Imagine the impact that will have in your life, in this church, in this community. I think that's why it's a big deal for God. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. I don't think it's gonna impact your eternal security. Not at all. I think you're saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're saved. But there's a choice you can make about what you have in eternity. And that's the work you do for his kingdom now. Amen. Amen.